following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Very, very good, very good. Would you thank everybody who had a hand uh, this morning, whether it's the kids, the adults, the choir, everybody just said thank you with me. If you have a Bible or an electronic device that has a Bible on it, you can go ahead and turn it on or open it uh, to Colossians chapter 3. We're just going to talk about a few things real quick and then I'll send you on your way. Colossians chapter 3. Real quick. We've been talking a little bit um, here at Community Gospel for the past couple of weeks about how to be at Christmas. Um, We've been in a series uh, called B, and what we're looking at and looking for is essentially um, how should we act and what should we do and how does it look in the Christmas season for us as Christians. And we talked in the first week, we'll catch you up a little bit, in the first week about being motivated to be strong. The Bible tells us that we as Christians are to be steadfast. Um, We also understand that the Bible calls us to be steady or immovable as well as abounding. And we as Christians have the opportunity to abound in the love of Christ. We can uh, really see the fact that Jesus loves us and loves us unconditionally, especially in this time of year as we're giving and receiving gifts. We realize that that is an act of grace from somebody else to us. And it is a representation of how Jesus views us. Jesus looks at us and he loves us and he cares about us. And he gives us the best gift that we could ever receive, which is salvation. The second week, we talked about how we can be joyful, and we've been walking through some of the candles of the Advent season and what they mean and and what they look like, some of which we've talked about on the surface and some of which have been kind of inadvertent. And we see that God calls us as Christians to also be joyful. I don't know if I could ever truly be joyful if I sat around a room and somebody told me that they would want the extra pounds that I put on in the Christmas season, as Autumn said. I'm pretty sure I'd start slugging, amen? Man, wow, that would be intense. Uh, But we look at it and we have the spirit of joy because that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And not only in the Advent season do we remember he came, but he is coming again. And we get excited about that. We're joyful as Christians about that. The goal of the Christian, and that's something we constantly have to unpack here at Community Gospel Church. We understand that people have come into our community from so many different locations and so many different backgrounds. And we have to unpack what it means to really truly follow Jesus Christ. And as a congregation, that can be difficult because there's so many terms that come into play and there's so many cultures that come into play and there's so many things that happen where people look at us and they have questions. And the goal of the Christian is to be ultimately like Christ and we find that we should be like Christ from the scriptures. 
So Community Gospel Church, we believe all 66 books of the Bible are the inspired, inerrant, without error word of God. And we cling to them. And we go to Scripture. And we study Scripture. And we try to understand what Scripture tells us in regards to being like Jesus. We understand as we study these Scriptures that we have some work to do. Amen? Man, we are in progress. I like that word. Paul is going to write a short little passage, or a short little book, excuse me, to the Christians who are in a town called Colossae. And we go to Colossians chapter 3, and if we were to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, we see something that appeals to us on how we are to be in the holiday season. It says this, it says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones. Isn't that cool that God chooses you? That God chooses you. He says, man, I love you. You're a little quirky and a little weird, amen? But I love you. And he says, as chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, we're going to put on these things, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. My dad always says, he's been in the ministry for 40 years, and he says, Jordan, don't ever pray for patience because you'll always get it. I believe that's true, especially in the holiday season. We look to this passage of scripture, and the reason why we're looking to this passage of scripture is because Paul tells us that we are to put on then these things. Well, let me give you a little bit of a background first, and maybe this will make more sense to you on why it is so significant, especially for this holiday season. I don't know if you know this or not, but Colossae, the place in which Paul is writing to, is a farm town. Last time I checked, we have farmers. Amen? I mean, we have an agricultural setting in front of us. It is located, or Colossae was located in modern-day Turkey, about 110 miles away from Ephesus, which is another letter that Paul writes to. Some Christians in Colossae were, now get this, I don't understand how this is possible, but this is happening in Colossae. Some of the Christians who are around are passing judgment upon one another. Would we ever do that? That doesn't sound like us. And some of them aren't participating in the traditions of the day. Some of the people just aren't going and doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're breaking tradition. And I don't know if you're like me, but and, and I married a very traditional oriented woman. And in her house, you do not break tradition or you sleep outside. <laughs> so we have to be very careful when we're in my wife's family because you don't break tradition. Everybody has their own seat and they had to systematically decide on where all the new husbands would sit on the floor. And let me tell you what, you do not sit in another location or you don't get no Christmas gifts in my wife's family's home. Anybody have any family like that? Some traditional oriented? These Christians, okay, what happened is they're going against some of the Jewish ways, these food and drink restrictions. And Some of them aren't observing some of the festivals that are going on, and it's leading to offenses, and it's causing, get this, it's causing divisions among the people. Are you serious? You mean to tell me that there are things that happen in church that cause divisions? You mean to tell me that there are some things that happen in family life that cause divisions? There are some people that just don't act the way that they should act. And man, if everybody would act the way that I want them to act, things would be just okay, wouldn't it? Things would be great. And Paul's going to write him this short little passage, and he wants to confirm, first of all, their faith. 
and tell them, listen, Jesus really, truly did come. Jesus really, truly did die. Jesus really did raise from the dead. And he is still ruling and reigning. Still, he has seen him. And he says, watch out. Stand on guard. And he says, warn people against doing that which isn't right. And put on then these things. Put on then these things. Well, if you have your slip in front of you, it helps to write some of these things down to remember them. And the first thing that he tells us to do is that he wants us to be compassionate. We're going to go pretty quickly through these. He wants us first and foremost, if you would write this down, to be compassionate. Compassion means tender sympathy of heartfelt compassion. It means to be compassionate. It is a touching expression. And Paul used the word to address the church in Philippi, which is a letter that's really close to Colossians. And it says this, his love comforts you. Did you know that? That Jesus, maybe a person who just came to our church here this morning, and maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, I thought I was going to hear some people sing, and then I thought I was going to see, you know, my kid or, or my grandkid or whatever sing, and, and then I was just going to sit here, and, and the pastor was going to get up, and he was just going to let us go to lunch, and that would be really great if he would have done that, but now he's speaking, and I don't really know why I'm sitting in this building. And the Bible's very clear that the reason you're sitting in this building is that so that you would experience the fact that God really, truly does love you. He really does care about you, despite the perception that you have or had when you walked in the door. He comforts you, Philippians 2, 1 says, you have fellowship with the Spirit and you have kindness and compassion for one another. So church, Community Gospel Church, the people who are sitting in this building, would you do me a favor and love some people who maybe you don't know who are in this building today because they're watching us. They want to know what we're all about. They want to know if we're really truly genuine. Would you love some people here today because Jesus Christ has loved you first? Compassion is comforting. It's comforting to the uncomforted. And I remember when, as a Christian, I came to understand Jesus' comfort. It is a fellowship of Christians that starts with tenderness. (laughs) I'm reminded of this one story of a little kid. He's standing by a shore. This is an old story. And he's taking starfish and he's chucking starfish into the ocean. The old guy comes up to him and he says, young man, what are you doing? He says, don't you understand that all the starfish who are gathered on the shoreline are going to die? He says, this happens. This is part of life. What happens is these starfish come in and they are, are brought in through the water and they, they accumulate on the shore. And you realize when you throw some of those back out, you may be saving a couple, but you're not going to save them all. The little kid looks at the old man and he says, I know, but I'm just doing my part. This is our job as Christians to love people who have been washed up on the shore because we have been washed up on the shore at one time. And so we are to have compassion on those people who have never had compassion so that they will understand what it's like to have life in Jesus Christ and not be people who die on the sand but that they would swim in the sea. Paul says here that I want you to have a compassionate heart and I want you to seek out the unity amongst that no matter how easy or difficult it is. So, this holiday season, who's the relative that you just don't like? Who is it? I mean, don't say it out loud because you'll get in trouble real fast. But who's the person who just drives you up a wall? 
I mean, you roll in and you automatically think that you become invisible and you start thinking to yourself, I, I'm not here, I'm not here, I'm not here. And all of a sudden, that person out of the, uh, out of the earshot says, hey! <sighs> God says, have compassion on that person. Have compassion on that person. Second thing he tells us is that we should have compassion in hearts, but we should also be kind. The Bible says, be kind one to another. How many times do we tell our kids to be kind to one to another? Be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind. Why? Kindness is love in action. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6 says, Showing ourselves to be God's servants, we must be kind one to another. He says this is an action from God's chosen people to others. You, Colossians chapter 3 says, you are chosen people. And let me tell you, as chosen people, that God picked you, that he loves you, that he wants a relationship with you. He has compassion on you, and he was kind to you. And so therefore, you be kind to others as well. Not always easy, right? It's amazing to me that Paul says you should put on these things because God has done them for us. He has had compassion on you. He has been kind to you. And because he has been kind to you, we should be kind to others. A mother asked her six-year-old what loving kindness meant. So, well, when I ask you for a piece of bread and butter, you give it to me. That's kindness. But when you put jam on it, that's loving kindness. I like that. Kindness means we go one step beyond what we should have gone. Isn't it amazing that in the Christmas story, Jesus goes one step beyond what he should have gone? He not only comes and shows us how to live and models what it's like to exist, but then all of a sudden, Jesus takes it one step further and he dies on the cross for our sins. He shows compassion to those people who he didn't have to show compassion to. He shows kindness to those people who he shouldn't have had to show kindness to. And Paul says, you go and do the same. Kindness is acting on the needs of those around us. We must look for and seek out ways in which we can show the love of Christ. And Christian, this holiday season, who are you going to be kind to? Who are we going to be kind to? And Paul doesn't stop. It's kind of like piercing the side, right? It's like, come on, man. Two is enough. He's got a couple more. He says, also, I want you to be humble. Humble means a lowly attitude towards God. Humility shows dependence upon God and respect for other people. I love what the Bible says according to 2 Kings, if we were to look in the Old Testament. Humility is first, obedience to the Lord, and second, submission to the Lord. It's funny, this holiday season, that Jesus is both. If we were to truly study the season, we understand that Jesus is both. Again, he is an accurate representation or model for us to follow. He was obedient to the Lord, and he was submissive to the Lord in going to the cross. And let me tell you something. He didn't want to do it. You guys are looking at me going, whoa, hold on a second. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross? Not at all. Matter of fact, he's praying in a garden before he's taken to the cross. And he's praying to Jesus. He says, Jesus, or he says, God, if you could remove this cup from me. That'd be great. And he realizes it's not possible. There's nobody else that can fulfill it. There's nobody else who is humble enough. See, because Jesus was a man that didn't just walk and talk. Jesus was a man that didn't sin. The Bible says he knew no sin. 
And the Old Testament tells us that there can be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And so in the Old Testament, we see that people would bring their sacrifices. They would bring their bulls and their goats, and they would sacrifice to God, and they would bring offerings, grain offerings, and things of that nature. And all of a sudden, we would see that in the New Testament, we realize that Jesus is the only perfect sacrifice that was brought to us because he knew no sin. And he is the only remission for our sins when he dies upon the cross. He is humbly obedient and submissive all the way to the cross. D.L. Moody said, be humble or you stumble. I like that. Be humble or you stumble. Why should we be humble? Well, Proverbs claims that there is a blessing that flows from those who are humble. And there is much wisdom and honor that is found from those who are humble. You will know somebody who is truly humble because you walk away from a conversation and all you talked about was you. And all the person wanted to talk about who is truly humble is talking about you. Jesus is concerned about you. The reason Jesus is humble is because he comes and he is concerned about you. He has compassion on you. He is kind to you. He is humble towards you. When he dies upon the cross, he is humble towards you. He wants a relationship with you so that you may have life and life to the fullest. The first week of Advent, we realize these things. The second week of Advent, we realize these things. The third week of Advent, they're all symbolic representations of the relationship that Jesus wants from us so that your joy may be complete. How do I know? Because you're going to get to Christmas time, and you're going to open up some gifts. And you're going to crank open, and you're going to go, oh my goodness, this is the coolest gift I've ever gotten in the whole world. That might be just me. Your reaction may be completely different. And then some weeks are going to pass. And then some months are going to pass. And then some years are going to pass. And I can't even remember what I got last year for Christmas. Nevertheless, five or six years ago. But I do remember the relationship with my Lord and Savior. And I do remember his humble offering towards me. It is a gift that I have never forgotten. Because it has no earthly value. It is always eternal. And Paul continues with us. He says, not only should you be humble, but you should also be gentle. I like this one. Gentleness here means meek, a lowly attitude towards others. The meek have a calm temper of mind. I'm working on this. It's not easy, right? Amen. Can I get an amen from anybody in the, in the building here this morning? All right. James said, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. At their school carnival, a couple of kids won four free goldfish. I just went to a birthday party just a little bit ago, and they were giving out goldfish. I don't want a goldfish. I don't think any parent wants a goldfish, amen? I mean, because we don't really have the tank. We don't have the materials, and there is no such thing as a free goldfish or a free kitten. It is a false, 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 okay? So, sure enough, parent goes out Saturday morning to find an aquarium, the first few they priced range from 40 to $70 for a piece of glass that's glued together. They spotted it right in the middle of the aisle. A discarded 10-gallon display tank complete with gravel and filter. A mere five bucks. If my wife had a coupon, she'd be all over it. <laughs> Sold. Of course, it was nasty, dirty, but the savings made the two hours of cleanup a breeze. 
Those four new fish looked great in their new home, at least on the first day. But by Sunday, one had died, had a little funeral in the bathroom, too bad, but three remained. Monday morning revealed a second casualty, and by Monday night, a third goldfish had gone belly up. So they called in an expert. I don't know what that means. Oh yeah, I do. A member of our church who had a 30-gallon tank. It didn't take him long to discover the problem. They washed the tank with soap. You can't do that. My uninformed efforts had destroyed the very lives that we were trying to protect. Sometimes in our enthusiasm, right? To clean up our own lives or the lives of others, we unfortunately use killer soaps. Condemnation, criticism, nagging, fits of temper, and we think we're doing the right thing, but our harsh, self-righteous treatment is more than others can bear. And let me tell you something, church. I don't know where you came from. People who are gathered here, I don't know how you got here. I do know as a pastor, sometimes the church has had more of a negative impact on you than a positive impact on you. And the reason for that is because we have shifted our efforts away from Jesus Christ and his word and focused it more on ourselves. We've done that here at Community Gospel Church at times. Every church has done that at times. And we realize this is the downfall. This is the killer soap. What we have to do is understand the thing that cleans us and restores us the most is the gentle love of Jesus Christ and an offering of salvation through grace that can only be received through faith. Being gentle means we put ourselves in the circumstances of others, which is exactly what Jesus did for you. He looked at you and he realized, man, you're not doing so hot. You ever been that way? You ever not felt good? Your spouse walks up to you and says, you don't look so hot. It doesn't make you feel good, but it's still truth. And Jesus looks at us and he says, listen, I know you're a sinner. I understand that. And Jesus knows how we feel. And he exercises compassion upon us. And he says, I'm going to love those people even though right now they don't really love me. But they will. But they will. Because the last thing Paul tells us to put on is patience. Number five is patience. He says, patience means to be self-controlled when facing frustration. Huh. I went on Black Friday with my father-in-law into a Walmart. I will never make that mistake ever again. That was by far the worst thing that I've ever done in my whole entire life. Or one of, okay. They're facing frustration in that moment. I couldn't even move. And when we see patience here, we understand that patience's definition is to be self-controlled when facing opposition. But I love what the Bible says. It says, you will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might when enduring these hardships so that your attitude of joy will increase. Jesus looks at us and he says, I know you will experience hardships, but if you lean on me and not on your own understanding, you will know joy and know it complete. Notice the Bible says, not lean on your pastor, not lean on your church. You lean on the word of God and you learn on Jesus Christ who came, died, rose again, and is coming again. He says, this is the gospel. This is what I want you to be patient for, that you will have trials, you will have temptations, you will have situations and circumstances that are completely out of your control, but be patient. 
because Jesus is coming again. We have to be patient with God first because he doesn't operate in our time. He doesn't operate the way that we want him to operate. Let me tell you something, being a pastor, God does not operate the way that I want him to operate. As a person, God does not operate the way I want him to operate. It is his time and not my time. He says, be patient. Secondly, we realize that patience has to be with one another. Amen, Christmas season? (laughs) You gotta be patient with some people who really test you. We have to be patient with some people who are around us. We have to bear with one another. Because let me tell you something, we sin just as much as the person who is trying sins. We and our brothers and sisters are no different. There is no difference between me and you. We are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve death. We all deserve to die. The Bible says you earned it because you sinned. But thank the Lord that God is patient with us through his son, Jesus. A great preacher said, true patience is waiting without worrying. And patience that overlooks a multitude of offenses is exactly what Jesus did for us. He shows up in a manger. I mean, you would think the son of God would have a little bit better living situation. But he shows up in a manger. He is submissive even in his birth. And all of a sudden we see that he bears with our human failure. And he prays for us to see his mercy and his kindness if we were to give control of our souls over to him. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans 10.9. If you've come to this church, I say it every single week. That if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. The second favorite verse that I have is John 3, 17. See, everybody knows John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Good verse. Great verse. I love John 3, 17. Because Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus came into the world to save the world. And maybe you just missed that. Because Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus came into the world to save the world. And Jesus Christ is not condemning you. You condemn yourself when you reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have the opportunity to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible tells us that you will be saved. How great is it That this holiday season, we celebrate a God who is patient with us. That he is so patient with us because he says, some of you guys already made that decision. Some of you guys, not so much. Some of you guys, really hard towards it. One of the best illustrations that I have is on Christmas morning. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And it's funny because my wife teaches piano. And Bethany does Christmas shopping all year round. And so once the holiday season kicks in, we get our tree and we put the presents that are wrapped underneath the tree. Somebody came in the other day for piano lessons and they said, how do you get those kids not to open up those gifts underneath that tree? I said, I don't know. It's a miracle. (laughs) I said, I have no idea. I, I, I literally don't know. I said, but here's the crazy thing. 
when it's time to open those gifts, they're going to open those gifts. And they wait patiently. Dad, is it time? Dad, is it Christmas yet? Sometimes they get it confused. Dad, is it Halloween yet? No. Every morning they come downstairs. Dad, is it time? Dad, is it time? Is it time to open up these gifts? I'm thinking of the people in the Old Testament. Is it time? Is the Messiah here? Has he come? Is it time? Has the Messiah come yet? Is it time? Is it time? 400 silent years before the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of a sudden Jesus comes and it's time. Here he is. And he's wrapped in a manger. And the Bible says that Mary, at a point in her life, treasured these things in her heart. And I have no doubt in my mind that she stares in this cradle. And she says, this is the Son of God who will save the world from their sins. And let me tell you something, 2,000 years after that, it's time. It's time that you would accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's time that you really truly celebrate this season the way it is meant to be celebrated. That it is a remembrance of the fact that Jesus came and that he is coming again. But if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, he is not coming for you. You must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then you will hear the trumpet sound. You will hear a God who has been patient with you. You will hear a God who has been gentle with you. You will hear a God who has been humble towards you. You will hear a God who has been kind to you. And you will hear a God who is definitely compassionate towards you. If you were to believe. It's funny how many movies in this holiday season point back to that word believe. Believe, believe, believe. And in my house, we don't believe Santa exists. We believe Jesus Christ exists because the Bible tells me so. Would you sing just a little song with me? Jesus loves me, this I know for the Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this holiday season, this Christmas season, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are the God of heaven and earth, the one who came, the one who is, the one who is still at work. And God, help us to put on these things this year. Help us to put on what it means to be a Christian because it's hard. And you know, as well as everybody else knows, that we fall short. But when we fall short, God, we thank you so, so, so much that you make up the difference. We thank you so much, God, 
that you come and you restore the wounded and the broken and the lost. And we don't have to have it all together because you know we're in process. And you know we're striving to become like you. And so we, as a congregation that's gathered here this morning, may we never take our eyes off you. And those people who have never come to know you as Lord and Savior, may they accept that free gift that's offered to them here in this place. May they have the ability to enter in to the family of God as they are in this place, in this moment, so that they can really be seen the way that you see them. We look forward so much to you coming back again. We can't wait. And all God's people say, come Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 